This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we get to the finale of that weird doubleheader, if you want to call it a doubleheader. That was the biggest positive that Max Scherzer pitched really well. He did, because I've said this, a lot of people have said this, if Max Scherzer is going to be donezo, if Max Scherzer is going to be fried, it is going to be really difficult for this team to be good. It's going to be difficult for this rotation to be solid. We're already getting the positives out of Verlander. Can we get a positive out of Scherzer? And he wasn't dominant over the first three innings, but he was in his last two innings, and that was really good to see. He got through trouble in the first inning, got a little lucky because he got a line drive right out Starling Marte to end the first inning. He did give up an RBI double to C.J. Abrams in the second inning, and that made me feel sick. But to his credit, he got through the inning. He got through trouble in the third. And then in the fourth and fifth, he really clicked it to high gear and retired the last seven guys he faced, got a few swing and misses, struck out six guys, His pitch count was relatively low at 83. Could have come out for the sixth inning. And I think once Max is pitching every five days and he's healthy, assuming that ever happens, and I'm trying to remain hopeful that that was the beginning of it, then he's going to throw more than 83 pitches. He's going to throw 97 pitches maybe. And maybe that performance he had on Sunday, instead of being five innings, one run, is six innings, one run. And that's significantly different. It's crazy to say that, but there's such a huge difference between five innings and six innings from your starting pitcher. There's a huge difference between asking for nine outs and asking for 12 outs, the level of pitcher that has to come into the game because you're not usually going four or five deep in your bullpen is significantly different. So I liked what I saw from Max. It was frustrating because remember, the Mets couldn't score. That game, you know, you forget about it because the Mets scored eight runs in the fifth inning and finally broke through. But in the first inning, two out double, couldn't score. Second inning, two out double, couldn't score. And then finally, in the fifth inning, they put it all together. And they got some big hits. Mark Canna had an RBI double. Brandon Nimmo had an RBI single. Lindor had an infield single. And then finally, Starling Marte had a big two-run single. Uh, Mark Canna had another RBI. I mean, they just broke it open. Didn't hit a home run. They haven't hit a home run in months, it seems. But they did break it open with eight runs. And that the eight runs make things feel different. Because now, all of a sudden, you get Max Scherzer out of a game after he has an 8-1 to lead. And you say, okay, great, you did your job. So when you go to Brooks Raleigh's first or Brooks Raleigh's first performance since coming off the IL and Jeff Brigham and Zach Muckenhern doesn't feel as bad because you got a big lead. And they won the game. The negative was outside of the eight runs in the fifth inning, the offense didn't do anything. <laughs> and I know that's such a weird nitpick, but it is because it makes that inning feel fluky when you never score runs and you have one explosive inning 
in which you chase Jake Irvin out the game and the Nationals bullpen around, you say to yourself, all right, well, is there any consistency here? Like, I'd almost rather see the Mets score eight runs by scoring two here, two there, three here, one there. As odd as that seems. And maybe that's a nitpick to some. To me, it's just, it shows you that the offense is breaking out. Because when you think about this four-game series and you think of two runs, three runs, three runs, eight runs, you know, you could add that number up and it comes out to 16 runs in four games and it's four, it's four runs a game. is It's not great, but it's not awful. But no, if you watch it, it was awful. Those numbers aren't actually accurate. They were awful. But Max was good. And I want to give him credit. He had seven consecutive really bad starts for the most part. There was one decent one mixed in there, the five scoreless when he threw a million pitches that started City Field. But he had a stretch, a long stretch of, of not pitching well, dating back to last year. And the fear all of us have is, okay, he's done. Now, I'm not convinced one performance makes him not done because I think the two things Max needs to do besides pitch well. Pitch well is one that's obvious. The other thing he needs to do is pitch. He's got to pitch. He's got to be out there every five days because as we've seen with the depth of this rotation, they don't have a lot of it now. Tyler McGill has the, the depth guy who's entered the rotation and has remained in the rotation. Joey Lucchese, I know he didn't finish his last start because of the suspended game, but does anybody have confidence that that was going to turn into anything good? He gave up four hits. There were five base runners in two innings. He was lucky he only gave up one run. I mean, he got out of it, so I give him credit for that, but he was lucky. Outside of the seven scoreless that Joey threw in his first start, has he been really great? No, he hasn't been. So... They, they need these guys to stay healthy. I know that's such an obvious thing to say, but it's just so freaking true. Scherzer and Verlander and Senga, and now with Carrasco on the way back and McGill, they need those five guys to be the rotation to the All-Star break. Can that happen? Like, is that possible that those five guys can just pitch every five days for the next couple of months? Because if they do, there's a little bit of hope. There's a little bit of hope that – hey, maybe the rotation, which has been so bad to start the year, can stabilize. And if it stabilizes and guys are going five or six innings, you know what else that stabilizes? The garbage back of the bullpen. Because now Buck Showalter doesn't have to say to the media on why he kept David Peterson in. Well, gee golly, who else was I going to go to? He wouldn't have to answer questions that way because there'd be options on who to go to because you wouldn't be chasing and having to go to your bullpen in the third or fourth inning on a nightly basis. Well, listen, is it likely that they're all going to stay healthy? No, it's not. Sorry to break that, but I'll try to be optimistic as possible. The hope is that they can all stay as healthy as possible till the trade did at the very least, because I don't want to see Billy Epler sit there and say, well, we're just not healthy yet. So once they come back, those are the moves. We'll, we'll, our rotation is fine. I want to see what the, they all have being healthy, be able to pitch every fifth day, have that consistency so we can see whether or not they – this is the same thing as last year with the offense. It's like they should have called the young kids up, see what they had, rather than like, all right, well, let's go and trade for somebody. It's I need to see what this pitching staff actually has. I still don't believe in Max Scherzer. I don't. I'm sorry. But, but at least let's see him every fifth day. I give you a negative – that's attached to kind of what you're alluding to, which is come trade deadline. If the Mets need another arm, they can go trade for a starting pitcher and maybe be more aggressive than they were a year ago. 
one of the positives from 20 and 22 is that right now the Mets are a game out of a playoff spot, which is kind of crazy because when you're sitting two games under 500, you shouldn't be a game out of a playoff spot. You should be four games out of a playoff spot or whatever you think that number should be. But if you look around the National League right now, once you get past the Atlanta Braves and to me, the Los Angeles Dodgers, who have certainly figured things out, I don't know how good the league is. You know, the Brewers are 23 and 17. They're in first place. You know, I like Milwaukee. I don't know how good they are. The Padres are off to a worse start than the Mets. Padres have lost five in a row. They're three games under 500. I mean, the Mets are two games under 500 as of this recording. So the Padres are off to a worse start than the Mets. And who knows about Arizona and Pittsburgh and Miami's right around 500. And the Phillies have been a 500 team. So the negative to all that, because that's positive, like, oh, that's great. The Mets are being afforded more time. And they are. They, are, they have not been buried despite this awful start, despite this stretch of baseball in which they've been bad for a while, they are not buried. They are one game back, two in the loss column of a playoff spot. Even the division, as much as that feels so foreign because the Braves are better, well, the Braves have hit a streak that was unexpected. They lost four in a row, and it's the first time in five years they've had a four-game losing streak. Can you believe that, by the way? That's absurd. They have not had a four-game losing streak in five years. And it's amazing. It's when we suck again. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's when we can't even take advantage of it. Jeez. So the Mets are only six, seven out in the loss column in the NL East. So mathematical-wise, they have not been buried. We could all agree with that. Doesn't mean we think they're going to turn it around. Doesn't mean they're going to win it. That's not the point. They have not been buried. The negative to that is if nobody's buried, nobody's selling. <laughs> so if you know you look at the National League right now, the team with the worst record in the National League as of this moment is the St. Louis Cardinals, who have actually shown a pulse. They swept the Boston Red Sox. They're not selling. So I, I wonder if this mediocrity in the National League continues, which would benefit the Mets, if it could also hurt the Mets, that at least in the National League, there aren't many teams selling. In the American League, there are a few obvious teams right now. Kansas City and Oakland jump out at you. We'll see about the White Sox. I have been dead wrong about them. As right as I was about the Orioles, I have been very wrong, if not worse, with the Chicago White Sox. But there aren't a lot of sellers. So I get what you're saying about, hey, let me see what we have so we know if the Mets are going to buy aggressively at the trade deadline. I kind of wonder looking at the standings. And there's nothing in Oakland that I'd want. I mean, the A's are such a decrepit franchise that you almost kind of throw them away and say, really, that 9-33 and 33 team is going to sell me something good? The White Sox are the appealing team. If the White Sox are out of it, there are actually a lot of pieces that you may go after. But the truth is, can this work now? The Mets have, for the moment, a, a healthy rotation, and it starts there. If they can pitch better, if they can consistently get five or six innings out of their starters, and the guys pitch to the expectations we had, they will stabilize this mess. And that's how I phrase it. Doesn't mean they're going to go rattle off 15 out of 18, but they will stabilize this season if they can pitch better. They will start to, I don't want to say tread water, but they'll play better because you can't sustain getting three or four innings from your starting pitching every effing night. I don't get it, but I feel like this Mets team tends to play 
their worst baseball against the worst competition. They didn't play down to their opponents. We saw that on the West Coast uh, trip. The, I mean, the A's, whatever. But Dodgers are a tough team. We play them well. You know, I, 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 I feel like this this next trip, you if they're going to do well the next couple weeks, they're going to want to get up against better teams. The Guardians are no joke. I, I take them very serious. Do you? They got the same record as us, basically. Yeah, yeah, I know, but their pitching is better. I mean, listen, that's true. That just shows you how we. That just shows you how we view things. Like, oh, they're tough. They're solid. They got basically the same record as us, but because it's not us, it's like, ah, yeah, they're pretty good. No, but I, I do understand your point that when you look at Tampa, obviously Tampa's off to a stupid start. They're thirty-one and eleven. They're scoring an absurd amount of runs. I still don't think it makes sense. I apologize to nobody. I'm sorry. I'm just going to tell you the deal. And you'll all see it over the next few days. When you see the names of the players and the numbers that are being put up, you will admit what I have been saying for the last week that none of this makes sense. But, hey, whatever. Whatever. So so the I was watching the Yankee series because, obviously, my, my family's a Yankee fan. Uh, everybody in the house is a Yankee fan except for me. Uh, they have a guy – dressed in uniform that's never been dressed before in, in, on any other team. It's an analytical guy. He's dressed and he's on the bench. That's the first time it's ever happened. That should be illegal. If you can't, <laughs> if you, if you can't count cards in the casino, you shouldn't have an analytical guy on your bench. I'm that's sorry. That's the magic behind the black magic rays. They got 100%. some freaking analytics guy in the dugout. Well, yeah, because they, they get they honestly, I swear to God, they go to him. They don't need a book. They have the guy. What should we do here? At seventy two percent, he's gonna pull it left. <laughs> All right. Hey, whatever it is, it works, man. That's for sure. But you are right in that the competition is at least more solid than what they've seen over the last thirteen games. Tampa, Cleveland, the Cubbies, the Rockies, the Phillies, the Blue Jays, the Braves, the Pirates, the Yankees. That's getting us to the middle of June. I don't know if they play better against better teams because they haven't played a lot of better teams. I mean, you bring up the Dodgers series. The Dodgers series is when the Mets were competent. When the Mets were going out winning two out of three against the Dodgers, think about how differently we felt about this team. We felt incredibly different. Let me get to this suspended game. We spent a little bit of time on the last Rico talking about how absurd it was that they stopped the game. Not that they stopped the game, but the fact that they made fans wait there for an hour and a half with no rain before they finally suspended the game and then announced, hey, on Mother's Day, we're going to have a two-admission seven-inning game to finish up after the first two innings of of that first game. And then we'll give you a separate game, but it's a separate admission. One thing I did not know, you may think I know a lot of weird things about baseball. I did not know that the Mets could send down Joey Lucchese Call up Dennis Santana. Lucchese started the game. He is now in the minor leagues upon the suspended game reopening, and Santana, who replaces him, is eligible to pitch in the game. That is very strange to me. So think about that. The New York Mets played that suspended game with an extra guy, and the guy that they sent down started the game. I I had no idea that was a thing. And it's probably a new thing in fairness. That's probably not something that's normal. So Joey Lucchese pitches the two innings. He allows the run. Remember, the game got suspended. one nothing Nationals, second and third, one out with Brandon Nimmo coming up. They restart the game the next day. Beautiful, gorgeous weather. 
And right off the top, first pitch, Brandon Nemo sacrifice fly. So at least off the top, the Mets tie the game. They then go to Steven Negostick and not Max Scherzer, which was my idea the other day. And I don't know. I think things turn out a little differently if you go to Max Scherzer in the third inning as a pseudo start as compared to trying to piece it together with Steven Negosik, Dominic Leone, and Dennis Santana. And that's what they tried to do. Negosik pitches a one, two, three, third inning. I'm feeling good. Getting a lot of swing and misses on his fastball. Gets the first two outs in the fourth inning. And then against the bottom of the order. This is why this game was so freaking frustrating. This makeup suspension early Mother's Day game. There's two outs and nobody on. It's tied at two. He walks the number seven hitter Candelario. He hits Stone Garrett with a pitch. And then C.J. Abrams, who would do this all series long, rips an RBI single. Nationals take the lead. And now we're sitting there playing from behind. The incredible thing about this game is that Michael Perez, who, remember, hit that double, that Vogel back was running around uh, from first to third in the mud. He comes up three more times in the suspended game and gets three more hits. Michael Perez with as many hits in one game as Tomas Nito has in his lifetime. That was incredible. They rally in the seventh to tie the game, and the rally starts on a Michael Perez single. Nimmo gets a double. Jeff McNeil drives him in with a sacrifice fly, and then Lindor hit one that I thought off the bat had a chance to get out, but the center fielder Alex Call made the catch. So it's tied going into the eighth, or tied going into the bottom of the seventh, and the pitcher is Dominic Leone. And it was frustrating because I, I get why Leone's on the mound. Because Buck's looking at a second game that's coming up. David Robertson had thrown a million pitches two nights earlier. He was trying to get outs from the, the back of his bullpen. So Dominic Leone is coming out to pitch the seventh. And two pitches in, C.J. Abrams hits a home run. C.J. Abrams is becoming a star by just playing the New York Mets. And once the Nationals retook the lead in the bottom of the seventh inning, it was it was very evident that this offense was not going to wake up. Uh, well, this was was this the game where where the bases are loaded with one out and oh, Bogey comes? Yes, yes, yes. And and this is and I I I hate to be I don't want to I'm not picking no, up rip him. I'm picking up no, you're allowed situation. to rip him here. Go ahead. This guy continuously looks for a freaking walk every chance he can. And I, I put this out there. I said, boy, I, I have been praying harder than a, a, a <laughs> basis load of walk right now my entire life. Yeah. And he swings at ball four oh. inside. It was disgusting. And then you have Guillermo do what Vogelback had to do. He just needed to get a piece of the ball. Would have got a t- if, if you swapped Guillermo or put Vogelback in that contact type hit, and and Gior make a learn to walk once in a while, then that's that's a, that's a better utilization of these players, and you would have got a run because you would have had a sack fly. 